This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Rebzev Kitsitz was one of the Baal Shem Tov's closest Hasidim, and he's also buried next to the Baal Shem Tov in Mezhibuz. One day, the Helege Baal Shem Tov says to Rebzev, I want you to go to a particular town and find a Jew there, and he names the name of the Jew and tells him where his home is, and he said, go there and please bring back for me a pidyon, a redemption donation of 18 rubles. So Rebzev, knowing not to question the Baal Shem Tov, simply gets on his horse and wagon and starts riding towards the town that the Baal Shem Tov said. And when he arrived, he found the Jew that he was looking for, and he was surprised to see that this Jew and his family were living in abject poverty. The home was in bad shape, the roof had a hole in it, the front door was broken, the floor was made of mud, and it was clear that they didn't have very much money. And to ask 18 rubles it was like asking $10,000 from somebody who had nothing. And this poor Jew was very happy to see Reb Zev, of course, and he knew who the Hele Gebal Shem Tov was, and he said, I'm really sorry, but I simply don't have 18 rubles to give to the Baal Shem Tov as much as I would love to. And so Reb Zev went back to the Baal Shem Tov, and the Baal Shem Tov said, No, how did it go? And he said, Rebbe, I'm sorry to tell you, but the Jew is so poor, he didn't have the 18 rubles. What am I supposed to do? So the Baal Shem Tov said to Zev, I told you to go to that Jew and get me a pidyon of 18 rubles. So go back there and help him to understand that he needs to give that 18 rubles, no matter what. So Reb Zev returns to the town, and the poor Jew is happy to see Zev again, but he says, Why are you back? And Reb Zev says, I'm really sorry to tell you, but the Baal Shemta was very insistent. He says you have to give me those 18 rubles for him. And so this poor Jew, he looks at his wife and his kids, and the wife says, Okay. If the Baal Shem Tov insists, even though we don't have the money, then we need to figure out a way to get the money. So they took their furniture, everything they had, and they went to the marketplace, and they sold it and made about five rubles. So they realized they had to sell more. They had some chickens and a cow. They brought them to the marketplace, and after selling all of the animals and their furniture, they had 18 rubles exactly, just what the Baal Shem Tov asked. And so the Jew, who was already in poverty and now basically has nothing left, he gives the 18 rubles to Reb Zev and says, Here you go. Send my regards to the holy Baal Shem Tov. And for Zev, it's very hard to take this money. He knows it's really the end of what this family has. He's leaving them completely impoverished with nothing. But he knows better than to question the ways of the Baal Shem Tov. And so he returns back with the money to the Baal Shem Tov, who puts it away and continues as if nothing had happened. A few days later, that poor Jew's rent to the landowner was due. And when the collector for the landowner showed up, he obviously didn't have the money, and so he was thrown out of his house, he and his whole family. And having no choice, they simply started walking. They pretty much didn't have anything left. They're walking, and they're walking, and they're walking. And as they would get to another community, the Jewish community would take them in for a night or two, and then the family would continue walking. And eventually, they reached another village, many weeks walking from where they were before. And there was a tiny hut being rented out. 
and it was so cheap that the poor Jew figured he could do some handiwork and maybe some farm work and be able to afford paying the rent and maybe even buy a cow to support his family. And so for several months he did whatever work he could find, and it was enough to pay the rent. And the whole time that he's working in the fields and doing whatever work he could find, he was constantly davening to Hashem. He said, Hashem, please help me. Where is my help going to come from? It can only come from you, Hashem, creator of the heavens and the earth. And he would daydream a little bit. He would say, you know, Hashem, if only I had some money. I wasn't poor all the time. I would help my fellow Jews. I'd be so kind and generous. Hashem, could you please help me get out of my debts and have money to support my family? And he continued working until one day he had saved up enough money to buy a cow, this very old cow. Pretty much a cow that nobody wanted, but it was all he could afford. And each day, he would milk the cow, squeeze out as much as he possibly could, and of course he would thank the cow for what she gave him. And he went to the market and sold the milk. And an amazing thing happened. The first vendor who bought the milk tasted it and said this is the best milk he's ever drinking in his life. And he bought half of it for himself, and the rest he sold very quickly. And he told the poor Jew, Come back tomorrow and bring me as much milk as you can. And if you can, make some butter as well, and I'll sell that too. So the poor Jew went back home. He didn't say anything to his family. He went over to the cow and whispered in her ear, You make really good milk. Everybody seems to like it. And then patted her on the head. And the next day, he milked the cow again. brought it back to the market, and there was a line of people waiting to buy his milk. They were people who had tasted the milk the day before. The vendor said, ah, here he is. And quickly, people grabbed the milk. The vendor decided to raise the price and gave the poor Jew more money as well. And word got back to the landowner who owned all of the land where this poor Jew lived, including the hut that he lived in. And he told one of his servants, go there and buy all the milk before everybody shows up. I want to try the superior milk and butter. And the merchant comes back with it, and the landowner says, This is the best milk and butter I've ever had in my life. Go back there and tell this poor Jew that I will pay him a premium price to be his exclusive customer. He names his price, and he sells his milk only to me. And so the servant went back and told the poor Jew of the new deal. He was now the exclusive producer of milk for the landowner of all the land in that area, all of the homes and all the property. And he was truly paid handsomely for the milk. The servants told the Jew that the landowner loves butter. And so the Jew started making butter for the landowner from the milk. And every day the servant would come, he would buy the milk and the butter. And slowly, this poor Jew started to have a little bit of money. Each day, the servants would show up and he would give them the milk and butter. And each day, the landlord would say how he's never tasted such milk and butter in his whole life. And eventually, the landowner wanted to meet the Jew and asked him if he could deliver the milk and butter himself. And so every day, this Jew would show up with his milk and butter for the landowner, and the two of them became friends. And slowly, the landowner said, you know, I need a little bit of help running my properties here. Maybe you could help me. There's some people that don't want to pay. Maybe you could talk with them, and I'll pay you a percentage. And so the Jew went. He spoke with the people who owed the landowner. And they saw this was a very honest and sincere person. And they were willing to give the landowner's money to this Jew. And all of a sudden, the Jew became the manager of all of the landlord's properties. And this went on for several years. And of course, he moved out of that hut. 
And eventually the old cow died. But now this Jew was the manager of all of the land and all the property in the entire area. And several years passed, and the landlord said to the Jew, Listen, I'm kind of tired of being here. I'm ready to start traveling the world. And since you know how to manage everything, I want to put everything in your name. I don't have any children, and I want to know that my property is in good hands. And so the landowner signs over all of the property to this once poor Jew, who now became very wealthy. Even though the property still belonged to the landowner, were he to die, the property would be inherited by the Jew. And the landowner, not being at home, he asked the Jew and his family to come live in his mansion, so that at least it would be kept up while he was away. And every now and then, he would get a letter from the landowner, thanking the Jew for managing his property. And this went on for many, many years, until eventually, the landowner died, and the Jew inherited everything. And it was after all those years that the Baal Shem Tov said to Reb Zev, I want you to go to a particular town and please collect money for redeeming poor Jews that are stuck in debt. And so Reb Zev goes to this town and he's going around the Jewish community collecting money for the Baal Shem Tov for redeeming poor Jews from debtor's prison. And eventually somebody says to Reb Zev, you know, all of the property in this town, everything you see is all owned by a Jew, a religious Jew. And Reb Zev says, really? Well, how do I find him? They said, ah, oh, you go here, and you'll find this huge mansion, and there you'll find a very generous Jew. So after traveling for several months and collecting money in different villages, all that was left for Reb Zev to collect was 300 rubles. He went and knocked on the door of the landowner, who was formerly the poor Jew. And of course, the poor Jew, who never forgot what it was to be poor, he brings Reb Zev in, and right away he recognizes Reb Zev. But of course, Zev doesn't recognize the poor Jew, looking like a wealthy landowner that he is now. And Reb Zev says to the landowner, Your Honor, I'm collecting money for the Helegabal Shemtov, and I'm short 300 rubles. Would you be able to help us out? And the landowner, he says to Reb Zev, Zev, do you remember me? He says, No, I don't recognize you. He said, Do you remember years ago? You came to my house. You asked for a pidyon of 18 rubles for the Helegabal Shemtov. And Reb Zev says, Yes. He says, that's me. He says, but look at you now, I don't understand. How can that be you? He said, ah, after I gave the money, in order to make the money, I had to sell everything I owned. And then we couldn't afford the rent. So we had to move from place to place. And miraculously, I found this little rundown hut. We moved in there. I worked these odd jobs. I made a little bit of money. And I bought this old cow. And she made some very special milk. And the landowner bought the milk and we became friends. And eventually, I took over his property, and he didn't have any children, and he left it all to me. And now I'm very wealthy. And it's all thanks to you, Zev. It's all thanks to you coming and insisting that I give the 18 rubles to the Helegabal Shem Tov. And so then he goes and takes a thousand rubles and puts it in the hand of Reb Zev. He says, 300 is for what you asked for, and the rest please give to the Helegabal Shem Tov. And send him my regards, please. So Reb Zev, he returned to Mejibuz, gives the thousand rubles to the Baal Shem Tov. And he says, Rebbe, you should know that this thousand rubles came from this poor Jew who you once asked many years ago for a pidyon of 18 rubles. Now he's a wealthy man. I don't understand, Rebbe. Can you please explain to me what happened? And the Baal Shem Tov said, yes, it's very simple. Back when you went to collect the money from that poor Jew, this great fortune that he has now was sitting and waiting for him. But he had to change his place, and he had to pray to Hashem for it. And since he wasn't, I decided with your help to push him so deep into poverty that he would have no choice but to move to the place where his fortune was waiting for him. 
and to finally beg Hashem for what was rightfully his. And so that's why I insisted on the 18 rubles. It wasn't for the money. It was in order to get this Jew to where he needed to go so that he could receive what he was supposed to receive. That's how Hashem does it to us sometimes, my friends. He moves us to places that we wouldn't move ourselves in order to become the person that Hashem needed us to be. And sometimes there's a lot of suffering that comes along with that. And sometimes it comes against our will. But a person who knows that everything that Hashem does is for the good will merit to see a little bit of the world to come in this world. May we merit to see it always. Bezat Hashem. So I have one more short story for you. This is such a well-known story that I didn't even consider telling it on the podcast. But I have a deal with my youngest kids. I told them that on Friday night, when they can't listen to the podcast, I'll sit on the stairs and tell them what they call a live story. And this Friday night, I was so exhausted. I do all the Shabbos cooking, and I lead the davening at the Mayanot Shul in Jerusalem. And by the time the meal was over, I was ready to fall asleep. And my young son, he says to me, Tati, can you please tell me a story, a live story? I don't have any energy, but I made a deal. So I said, okay, I'm going to tell you this story, but you probably know it. And you should know that I bought for my kids all of the Hasidic storybooks that I could find in Hebrew. So a lot of times I tell stories and they know them either from the podcast or from the books. But for some reason, this, the most basic and straightforward and well-known Hasidic story, my son didn't know. So I figured maybe there's other people that don't know it and they better tell it on the podcast. So there was once somebody who came to the Magid of Mezrich, the successor of the Hele Gebal Shem Tov, and he said, Rebbe, I have so many problems. I'm suffering in so many ways. Please, can you give me some advice? How am I supposed to deal with my problems? And the Magid says to this man, Ah, uh, for that, you're going to have to go to my Zusha. And he tells him where Zusha lives. And this Jew who's suffering so much walks around town, keeps asking, where's Reb Zusha, Reb Zusha? Finally, he sees it's kind of like a mud path leading to a broken down house. And sitting on a broken chair outside the house, learning from a sefer, is a Jew who looks like he's in really bad shape. His clothes are torn. He's missing a bunch of teeth. And this Jew comes to the guy sitting on the chair and he says, Shalom Aleichem. The guy in the chair says, Aleichem Shalom. And the Jew who's suffering, he says, Can you please tell me where there's a Reb Zusha? And the guy in the chair, he says, Reb Zusha? I don't know. But me, they call Zusha. He says, ah, maybe there's another Zusha here in town. A Rebbe or something like that. And Zusha says, maybe, but me, they call Zusha. So the guy figures, okay, Hashem is running the world and taking me where I need to go. Maybe this is the right Zusha. So he stands there and he looks at Zusha on the broken chair sitting in the mud. And he says to him, tell me, Zusha, you know the Magid of Mesrich? He says, yes, of course, he's my Rebbe. Ah, okay, so you're the right Zusha. I came to the Rebbe and I told him I'm really suffering. I have so many problems. And he says to me, ah, that can only be solved by talking with my Zusha. So Zusha, how do I deal with my problems? How do I deal with my suffering? And Zusha looks up at the guy from the broken chair and he says, Are you sure the Magid sent you to me? He says, Yeah, of course. You're Zusha. And you said the Magid is your Rebbe. He says, Yeah, the Magid is my Rebbe. So he said, Yeah, Zusha, you're supposed to help me deal with my problems and my suffering. And Zusha says, I'm really sorry, my friend. But look around. And the guy looks around and he sees a broken door and a broken window and a hole in the roof. Mud everywhere. Zusha's clothes are torn. He's not looking so great. 
And he says to Zusha, yes, I'm looking around. And Zusha said, so Zusha says, I don't know. I don't think I can help you. I never really suffered. And the suffering Jew, he looks at Zusha and says, you never really suffered. Look at everything here. He says, what do you mean? I have a house. I have a family. I have a chair. And I have a sefer. And I'm sitting and learning Torah. What more could a person want? So the suffering Jew, he goes back to the Magid of Mezrich. He says to the Magid, you sent me to Zusha. But Zusha said he can't help me. And the Magid says, why not? He said, because he never suffered. And the Magid says, no. And the suffering Jew thinks for a second. He says, wait a minute. Zusha has such a hard life. And he feels like he never suffered. And the Magid said, no. And the suffering Chassid, he got it. And he went home and was able to appreciate all he had. And that's how it is sometimes. We feel like we're suffering. But if we look around and focus on all the blessings that Hashem gave us, we're able to realize how much good Hashem has done for us and is doing for us all the time. Thank you for listening, my sweetest friends. As always, please continue sharing and listening and leaving me comments on YouTube or wherever you would like. Facebook, sending me an email. I love hearing from everyone. Have a good Shabbos. And I look forward to sharing the next story with you next week. Wow.